This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome and thank you for downloading episode 133 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host as always, Adam from golfunfiltered.com. You can find me on Twitter at golfunfiltered. Send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Well, folks, the golf season is all but over for yours truly. I think the high in Chicagoland today was about 35 degrees. The grass is frosty. There are snowflakes in the air. There's Christmas music on the radio. So I'm pretty sure that my uh, playing days, at least for this year, are over. Uh, Which is a good thing. Uh, I had a great season. Uh, Maybe lead on a high note. I was able to shoot under par for nine holes uh, at a local small, small, very small, (laughs) nine-hole golf course. Um, Got my handicap down to a respectable number. And uh, things uh, ended up pretty well. So I think I'm going to, you know, shut it down right now until, you know, there's a warm day in December or something, and my friends call me up and say, hey, let's go out and play uh, real quick, Um, because that's inevitable every year. And so I had a few thoughts about what I could do with the podcast uh, during this off-season and over the holidays, and one of the things I'm going to do in this this episode is a little different. Um, Those of you who've been following the work that I've done on golfunfiltered.com or chicagoduffer.com, which the website uh, was the website title prior to Golf Unfiltered, Uh, You may know, but most of you probably don't know, that I actually wrote a book. I wrote a uh, self-published book that I think I sold about seven copies of, uh, two of which to my mother, um, detailing the the times, or the ten years actually, the decade, that I worked at a local country club. It was a private country club in Joliet, Illinois, uh, aptly named the Joliet Country Club. And in the book, entitled The Bag Room, I uh, changed the name of the country club to Alberton, and I changed the names of those who I wrote about in the book as well for very obvious reasons. One of the things I thought I would do, since uh, the book hasn't really been published and you can't find it anywhere right now, I've put chapters of the book on my website in the past, but one of the things I thought I would do, and hopefully uh, you all like it, is to actually read chapters from the book. I think one of the best things about golf is the stories, or are the stories, that come out of the people that you meet, especially from those who uh, have worked in the industry at golf courses in the past. And I'm not just talking about, you know, people who work in equipment or, you know, people who uh, work at keeping pro shops uh, equipped or stocked is the word I'm looking for with equipment. I'm actually talking about, you know, bagroom guys. I'm talking about caddies. I'm talking about pro shop attendants. Those folks who really were my friends growing up and who got me interested in the game from a very young age. And so, after the first chapter today, I'm going to read the first chapter of the book. I hope it's not entirely too boring. It's going to be uh, quite the test of my reading ability as well, at least reciting it into a microphone. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear any feedback you have about what you're about to hear. If you'd like to hear more, 
I have only about 78 pages or so. It's a very small book to read. Uh, my plan is to read everything to you, but I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. So feel free to reach out to me by any of the methods I mentioned earlier in this intro. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, hopefully not too much if you're driving, and uh, hope you enjoy this first chapter of The Backroom. The Bagroom by Adam Fonseca Introduction Reading this book will likely be a complete waste of time if you have no interest in stories about growing up, making mistakes, and goofing around at work. This book will be an even greater waste of time if you have no interest in the game of golf, what goes on behind the scenes of a country club, or if you've never seen the movie Caddyshack. Finally, if you have never held a job with people who would ultimately become some of your closest friends, do not buy this book. For those of you who are left, The Bag Room is my attempt to share one of the fondest and most unforgettable memories from working at a private country club in my hometown. What started as a summer job as a caddy when I was 13 years old grew into a decade-long tenure up to and following my graduation from college. During that time, I met many different people, including co-workers and country club's members, many of whom I still speak with on a regular basis. In addition to the many life lessons I experienced working at the club, during my most impressionable years as a young adult, I learned a great deal about the game of golf. The characters you will discover in the following pages, as well as the many situations they find themselves in, are all real. The names of the individuals have been changed for obvious reasons, including the name of my hometown and country club. However, all the people you will read about actually exist. Just to be fair, I also changed my name in the stories, which you will quickly notice. Rest assured, I do have an equally stupid nickname in real life that is very similar to that of the main characters. My time working at the hometown country club was one that I would not trade for anything in the world. My experiences taught me more about how life works than any of the jobs I've had since, including my current position in healthcare. Additionally, as a writer, I've chosen to write and blog about golf, of all things. Even my life as a writer has been shaped by the colorful, sometimes crazy, cast of the country club. More important, however, were the lessons I learned regarding humor, complete madness in the workplace, and golf employees behaving badly. It should also be noted that the atmosphere at my hometown country club was the same as any company where a group of young adult males worked every day without a care in the world. Vulgarity, pranking, and substance abuse was commonplace for many of the employees, myself included. While we all took great pride in serving the country club's membership, we also managed to have one hell of a good time in the process. In essence, the bag room was a type of fraternity, often similar to the last boys of, or the lost boys of Neverland. As my first attempt in publishing a work of any length other than the blog posts or articles that you may have read on the internet, the bag room is far from a perfect account. I chose to cover my experiences at the country club because of how large a role they played in shaping me into who I am today. To those readers who may know the people I describe in these chapters, rest assured that my intentions are in telling the stories in an honorable manner. As stated above, many of these individuals are still friends of mine whom I would not speak of in a negative light even if you paid me, depending on the price, of course. I have done my best to describe the memories you will read in the following pages as accurately as possible, but I also acknowledge that there are two sides to every story. 
As such, please accept my apologies if a detail here or a quote there seems contrived or different than you remember. After all, we all drank enough to sink two oil tankers, but not a drop more, just like Jack Nicholas. Enjoy. Chapter 1 Many a golfer prefers a golf cart to a caddy because the cart cannot count, criticize, or laugh. Quote by Unknown The first job of my life was the cause of what would become a horrible addiction that continues to consume me to this day. It takes all of my money, has caused me more pain than happiness, and I will do anything in my power to just get one more fix. The fact that golf and shit are both four-letter words is likely no coincidence. Driving through the south side of Elverton, Illinois was far from enjoyable, and driving through Elverton at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning downright sucked. Even after I turned 16, the drive still sucked. You'd think I'd have gotten used to it by then. I had taken the job as a caddy at Elverton Country Club at the age of 13 as a means to stay busy on the weekends and to make a few extra bucks during the summer. The job continued to consume my summers three years later, when I was finally able to drive myself to work every morning instead of begging my mother or father to do it. Socializing during the summer wasn't exactly my favorite thing in the world, and my parents would constantly encourage me to go make something of yourself instead of smoking the drugs and sniffing out the girls in town. Both they and I knew that it'd have to be a miracle if a girl was found in my bedroom instead of a cigarette pack, so I usually took their remarks with a grain of salt. My hometown of Allerton was a city founded on the backs of in the sweat of steel workers from a century ago. While I did not always enjoy living in the city, Elverton had a certain way to grow on you, much like a fungus grows on something left out in the sun. Over time, I came to love my hometown and the people who called me neighbor. When you were from Elverton, people around you knew it. I often believed that the citizens even had a different accent than the rest of the state. The children and teenagers of Elverton were a special group of kids. We all thought that nobody could possibly know how tough it was to live in our town, However, none of us really wanted to admit that we were from Elverton. Elverton had a certain negative mystery stigma with its neighbors. I was one of those teens the year I was introduced to the, to the world of Elverton Country Club. Caddying had its perks at Elverton. The Country Club members usually tipped pretty well in addition to the normal fixed looper rates, and all employees were able to play for free on Mondays when the club was closed. The term looper was one that had never attempted to creep into my normal vocabulary prior to working at the country club. In fact, I had never heard the word before. I had been interested in golf from a rather early age thanks to my father and his friends, who would usually come by on a Sunday of a major to watch names like Norman, Lehman, and O'Meara grace the fairways of courses with the names of Pebble, Carnoustie, or Augusta. The golf course was constructed in a traditional style of long, tree-lined fairways leading to tiny, well-guarded greens. The landscape of the course was a collection of hills, valleys, and elevation changes. Let me try that again. Elevation changes? <laughs> that appeared rather difficult to the rookie golfer. However, the course was actually easy to navigate once you became accustomed to it. The golf course maintenance crew took pride in the condition of the course and did everything it could to make Elverton Country Club a diamond in the rough of the city. However, Many citizens believe that the crew was simply making an awkward stretch of land more presentable. After all, covering a piece of crap with pomp and circumstance doesn't take out the underlying stink. In comparison to professional-grade golf courses, Elverton Country Club looked more like a dog track than a golf course worthy of the title Country Club. 
Alberton Country Club, which was originally opened in 1930 under the name of Union Country Club, was by no means a terrible golf course. In fact, it was the best course in the city. However, golf wasn't exactly the biggest sport in Alberton in terms of popularity. High school football, baseball, and women's softball were larger draws to the citizens while golfers were a distant subgroup of people. The neighborhood high schools and junior college all feature golf teams. However, you would be hard-pressed to find any mention of these teams in the city's newspaper. As such, Alberton Country Club was more popular for people outside of the city limits since the club was less expensive than the other clubs in the area. Pulling into the empty parking lot, I passed the obscenely large boulder with an engraving that read, Home of Alberton Country Club. It reminded me more of a grave marker than a welcome sign. The parking lot was a scene that I had become all too familiar with over the past few summers. Employees were told to park towards the back of the lot to allow for members to use the more favorable spots near the clubhouse, but no one ever followed this rule. My 1984 Chevy Blazer was quite the sight to behold for a country club, especially with the stylish rust spots surrounding each wheel well and a back window sticker that said, To all you virgins, thanks for nothing. Which was a lie in itself, of course, since I was still a virgin to begin with. The head golf professional, Paul Brewer, pulled me aside one day and asked what the hell was wrong with me for having the sticker in his lot and made me agree to back into a spot by a tree-lined fairway so the member's precious eyes wouldn't be subjected to such filth. Elverton's parking lot expanded from the front of the clubhouse and pro shop and deep into the property, ultimately leading into an old gravel road. Employees were asked to park in the far south corner of the lot to allow for the closer spaces to be used by the membership. After parking in a spot not far from the entrance of the club, screw you, Mr. Brewer, I grabbed my towel, grabbed my Gatorade bottle, and opened my car door and walked to the caddy shack roughly 300 yards away. The shack was positioned just to the west of the 18th hole's greenside bunker, off to the side of a small, grassy hill, and looked like it had been built sometime during the 1930s. From the layman's viewpoint, the caddy shack looked more like a large wooden shed one might otherwise find in a neighbor's lawn. There are two wooden benches underneath the shack's wooden canopy, which rested on a 10 by 12 cement slab that had needed to be re-poured since last decade. Beside the benches were an old Pepsi vending machine that had never worked, and a water bucket the caddies would use to keep their towels wet. Any decent caddy will keep half of his towel damp for the purpose of cleaning his players' clubs and golf ball during the round. During my first loop for a member at the club, I had neglected to remember this simple rule of caddy etiquette, which resulted in a very unhappy golfer with dirty clubs and an even unhappier and unpaid rookie caddy. Lesson learned. Finally, a telephone was located on the south wall of the shack, which would serve as our notification when we were assigned to a golfer for the day. The caddy program at Elverton was started shortly after its opening. Neighborhood children would serve as caddies year after year, many of which eventually became rather decent and moved on to other country clubs and golf courses in the state. Elverton was also a member of the Western Golf Association, which instituted an Evans Scholarship program. Caddies would apply and potentially receive a free ride to a participating college or university. Over time, however, this program became less popular and fewer children became interested in this area of summer of employment. Regardless, a few of the members at the club preferred to use caddies during their round and often paid their loopers rather handsomely. Inside the caddy shack was a contraption that looked like a medieval torture device, complete with a large metal wheel, a steel water basin, and an old rubber belt. This was the driving range ball washer, and it was the bane of every employee's existence. The smells and sounds that would come out of this machine were beyond horrible, 
and heaven forbid if any of the dirty water splashed on any part of your clothing. For a nerdy 16-year-old virgin like me, a hearty spirits of butthole sewage number five would exactly wasn't exactly going to help with the ladies. Regardless, the caddies would sometimes be asked to help clean the range balls in the morning, especially when those lazy bagroom attendants forgot to do it the night before. Elverton's bagroom was something of a legend among the club employees. In other businesses that include a restaurant, the restaurant's kitchen is always the brain of the operation. However, this was not entirely the case at a country club. The waiters run the asylum from the food service angle, but Elverton's bagroom employees were like waiters on crack, and in some cases literally on crack, in terms of who could make or break a good or bad day for the customer. Furthermore, the bagroom attendants and caddies had been locked in an ongoing war since the early days of Elverton Country Club that would rival any story from a Hatfield or a McCoy. The bagroom was located in the basement garage area of a massive golf course clubhouse and, like the room's name implies, served as a storage unit for the members of the country club's golf bags. Each bag was assigned a specific slot on a sliding shelving unit, which the bagroom employees would push back and forth throughout the day as new golfers arrived. Each two-tiered shelving unit was comprised of lettered rows and numbered slots that would keep roughly the 300 golf bags organized in an easily accessible manner. These large racks were essentially wooden shelving units equipped with rollers on the base that slid along a metal track installed into the cement floor. Each shelving unit, or row as they were referred to in the bagroom, also featured a long, vertical handle by which you would pull or push the unit along the tracks. Working in the bag room was an hourly wage position that was exceedingly simple, highly enjoyable, and offered consistent pay a few days a week. At least, that is what I was told by the one bag room attendant that I could stand, Billy Perkin. Billy was opening that day for the bag room, which became evident with the garage door of the room was opened with a loud metallic rumble. From my vantage point in the caddy shack, I could see roughly halfway into the bag room, which allowed me to see Billy climb into a golf cart, which were also kept in the back of the bag room, and began driving down the paved cart path towards me. This was beyond standard operating procedure for notifying a caddy of an assigned golfer for the day, and despite my friendship with Billy, a bag room boy visiting the caddy shack usually meant one thing. You were in for a long day. Billy arrived at the shack with a slight skid on the damp morning grass. "'How's it going, Silky?' Billy asked. My name, Silk, was probably one of my favorite attributes. Not many stupid nicknames could be made up based on a four-letter surname, and even my first name, Brian, was about as textbook as you can hope for. Being called Silky was about the worst that could be contrived, and was one I decided to accept. "'Not much, Billy. Got a loop for me?' I replied." I figured if I played it cool and didn't show that I was anxious as to why a bagroom employee was bothering me, the ridicule would be mild at best. Not today. Brewer wants you to come to the bagroom for the day. Carlos called in again this morning, and Pro is pissed. Looks like you've been promoted. Billy slapped the seat next to him in the cart. Hop in. Well, folks, there you have it. That was uh, Chapter 1 of The Bagroom, a book that I wrote not too long ago, back in uh, 2011, I think it was. Hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you think by reaching out to me via Twitter at Golf Unfiltered, or you can send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you like what we do, go out to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. We take those reviews very seriously. Thank you to everyone who has written something so far. 
We will be back again next week with another episode, perhaps another chapter of The Bag Room. Thanks again for listening, folks, and until next time, this is your buddy Adam signing off.